Hey, my friend, and welcome to the No More Desire podcast. My name is Jay Castleman, founder of Become a Good Man. Today, I'm going to talk about empathy and addiction, and we're going to talk about how to overcome shame habits, uh, shame habits, things that prevent um, us from feeling empathy and helping us to actually heal our relationships, improve our relationships, whether that's with your spouse, um, if it's with a friend, if it's with a family member. We're going to talk about that in this episode. And so what I really want to start with is talking about empathy and addiction. You know, these are things that I've struggled with in my own life. Um, I've been sober for over eight years now. I am not the guru, but I know some things to help, and I hope to be a help to you today, my friend. So let's talk about why first um, addiction and empathy for other people around us often conflict with one another. Why does addiction get in the way of feeling empathy? Why does it get in the way of connecting within relationships? The very first thing that I want to say about that is it's not so much about the addiction itself. Okay, and we hear a lot of places, I think, that the addiction is the problem. It's my opinion and my view from watching myself um, from watching people in 12-step, um, from those that I sponsor, um, and from others that I've had the privilege of working with or speaking to, that addiction is just a symptom, all right? Addiction is not the core issue. The core issue are our fears, our insecurities, our shame, in other words, feeling like we're not good enough, um, and it's Frankly, it's our pride, but the thing is, pride, in, in my view, comes from shame. It comes from fear. It's just kind of a covering over those deeper, inset, negative emotions that we face, um, whether that's come from trauma of the past or um, relationships that failed or people who we felt betrayed us or just negative experiences we had that made us feel hopeless um, or from our own choices over time. And typically, it's, it's a combination of both, right? So that being said, um, addiction and empathy conflict because of the reasons that we get into addiction. And again, those reasons are the fear, it's the shame, it's the, it's the pride, right, uh, that we can't quite seem to let go of, that we maybe can't even see. Maybe the shame and the fear are things that are so deeply inset in our mind, things that are so deeply ingrained, I should say, that we can't even see them. They become habits for us. Or in other words, what I talk about in this episode, they are shame habits. They're habitual ways of thinking um, that are just, they're shame-oriented, right? It's self-centered. It's I'm not good enough. It's focusing on our insecurities. It's feeling like we're not worthy of love or that we fear we're not capable of loving um, as we would want to right? And in varying degrees, right? However, we feel on a, a worthiness of love or a capability of loving. We all vary in degrees. This world is a place of conditional love. Um, so that looks different for everyone. But I think that the worse that gets, the more unworthy of love we feel, the more prone to addiction we are. And sometimes um, the less capable of empathy we feel. I've met some amazing people that go through a lot of pain, 
um, hurt people, that are they're filled with anxiety, depression. Um, they experience a lot of thoughts of insecurity and inadequacy, yet they are still highly empathetic, highly loving people. So I'm not saying um, that these things necessarily mean you won't struggle with empathy or that you will struggle with empathy, uh, but they can. And we're going to talk about that. So again, let's, let's also address shame habits, right? What are these? So this is going to be things like victim mentality, all right? In other words, um, this idea that others are out to get me or this idea that um, I'm the victim of the situation, right? And sometimes we are. I'm not, don't get me wrong. Sometimes there are times in life where we're the victim. Uh, situations like rape or abuse, we're definitely the victim. Uh, but sometimes we can carry these things with us throughout our lives. It's a very easy thing to do and a very understandable thing to do. We carry this victim mentality around, um, and for some, and I'm not necessarily saying rape victims or or other things like that, I'm just saying for some of us, we can actually become addicted um, to this victim mentality, um, to this saying, woe is me, or, you know, uh, it's because of these other things in the world that I struggle with unhappiness, or it's because of this that I lost my job, or it's my supervisor's fault, or you know what, I wouldn't have gotten in a fight with my spouse if, you know, she, um, if she didn't take things so personally, or, you know, if it wasn't for my upbringing with my parents, I wouldn't feel this way, right? These are, these are again, understandable emotions, um, not something to further shame ourselves for, but to work on recognizing, because a lot of these are stemming from that, I'm not good enough, um, I'm unworthy of love, stemming from that place. Shame habits are also these kind of, um, again, self-centered type of, the self-centered type of mentality. And I don't say that in a way of coming down on someone who feels selfish tendencies. In fact, selfishness, um, again, in my view, simply comes from fear. It comes from feeling inadequate. And it comes from, again, does come from pride. But at the root, you're going to find that feeling of inadequacy. You're going to find that fear, right? Fear of betrayal, fear that you won't match up, fear that things won't work out, right? And then we we focus on ourselves so deeply and intently that it comes out as a self-centered or a selfish kind um, kind of actions and words from the outside. Meanwhile, on the inside, we're suffering. And um, those around us may not see that. They may be annoyed by it. They may um, feel hurt by it, and understandably so. And in addition, we may not see it ourselves. We may sometimes be incapable of seeing that selfishness. We may just see that as the truth. Um, But that can be changed through Christ our Savior. I believe that any of us can change. If you don't believe in Christ, that's all right. We just talk about Christ on this channel. Replace that with your own higher power. That's perfectly okay. So let's talk about how shame habits develop. All right, how this idea of I'm not good enough, this habit we can get into with our thought processes, our words, our actions, that is this um, idea that we lack, right? We're unworthy of love. This could be because of the examples of our parents, right? And everyone struggles with shame. Everyone struggles with the feeling I'm not good enough, I'm inadequate, I don't match up. We all struggle with that to some degree. That's just life on earth, all right? 
Some of us struggle with it very little. Maybe we've gained a great deal of confidence. Maybe we feel quite secure in ourselves. That's beautiful. Others of us struggle with it very deeply, so deeply to the point where it's just the way we see the world. We cannot see outside that, that um, view. Um, so we need to be taught how, right? And the Spirit of God can teach us how to do that. And kind people around us can teach us how to do that. Mentors or friends or family members um, can help us see these things if we can be humble enough to see them ourselves. And that takes practice. It takes effort. It's nothing to be ashamed of. So, and these, these are also feelings, right, that people around us have, right? We, we've watched them and our brain automatically learns to um, translate the things that happen in our lives from a shame state, from a victim mentality, um, from a state of uh, woe is me or things are hopeless or a negative um, frame of mind, right? So we watch that in other people as a child growing up. We learn to do that ourselves. Um, and that is, uh, you know, traditions of our fathers, right? The traditions of those who came before us um, that we then follow. Not our fault, but something that we can all outgrow, I believe. And um, then we have the habits that we form over a lifetime, right? When I hurt someone else, let's say it's my spouse, I'm not saying physically, I'm saying emotionally, though, um, you know, I realize that physical harm does occur in this world as well um, in some relationships, and that's hard. Um, it's a sad thing on both ends, uh, very sad for the victim, um, but also sad for the perpetrator in, in, a, in a different kind of way. But we won't get, go into that right now. Um, the habits that we form over a lifetime where, again, if I've hurt my spouse emotionally, if I've said something that's insensitive, demeaning, maybe I didn't really even mean to, um, but nonetheless I did, maybe because I was feeling insecure about something else that happened that day, and now it's, now I'm just uh, I'm taking it out on her, right? This happens to so many of us. Uh, it's happened at least at one point in your life. Right, and we we all deal with these types of things. So, when I do that, um, a healthy way of dealing with that from there would be to see their feelings, see my wife's feelings, and say, "Man, I messed up. You know what? That was unkind. How is she feeling at this point?" Well, I can imagine if I were in her shoes, I'd be feeling like this. Right? You imagine that, and you say, "Okay, what does she need to hear right now?" right? What can I say to her to um, help her feel better, to help her feel peace? Unfortunately, what many of us can do and what I've struggled with throughout my life that I'm working on are the shame habits. We say this thing and then there, my spouse is offended, right? And because she's offended, I then feel crappy about myself, right? I look, I, I isolate, I go inward and I say, what's wrong with me? How could I say something like that? Why am I such a crappy husband? Why am I such a terrible person? I can't believe I did that. Or we have those kinds of feelings underneath the surface, but we literally have not built the skills to be able to recognize those insecurities. So we go to a higher level, which might be anger, right? So we feel angry. Well, what I said wasn't even that bad. Why are you feeling offended by this right now, right? We go into defensive mode. We go into anger. Um, or we think, I only said that because you do this and this and that, right? Anger. 
Anger's covering up the insecurity, the fear that we're not worthy of love underneath the surface, or that we lack the capability of loving others that we would want, we would want to have. Okay, that's, that's happening under the surface. Now, it could be these types of habits we build over a lifetime. It could be our brain wiring. Not an excuse, all right? Not an excuse. We can still change. We can still get better. But the fact that maybe we deal with something like bipolar, maybe we go through manic depressive types of swings, maybe we deal with borderline personality disorder, maybe we're extremely perfectionistic or obsessive compulsive, maybe we're hyper anxious, we have an anxiety disorder, we're depressed, right? A lot of these things, we could talk nature versus nurture. We could even talk about diet and how what we eat impacts these mental states. We're not going to talk about this that on this episode. But we could talk about those things. If you have questions about that, feel free to email me, jacobbecomeagoodman.com. So it could be our brain wiring that's, that's uh, actually impacting this, right? And so that's an understandable thing. We may have to work harder than some other people would have to work to undo shame habits and replace them with new, healthier habits, to feel empathy in our lives genuinely and truly for those around us, and to heal our relationships. So I'm going to talk about now what shame habits and lack of empathy feel like for those around the addict, 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 sorry, excuse me. What do these types of things feel like for those around us, right? Because a lot of the world says, look, if you say something rude or angry, um, if you lash out at someone, they're the victim, they're the one that deserves compassion, not you, right? A lot of the world kind of thinks that way, or we kind of get that message. Both sides deserve compassion. Both sides need to be held accountable, right? The perpetrator needs to be held accountable for what they did. And then on the other end, well... I shouldn't say they need to be held accountable. I should say that if you are the person on the other end, the victim in the situation, you need to take responsibility for how you're going to forgive that person, whether now or in the future, whatever it takes. But as long as you carry that lack of forgiveness, that resentment, it's going to impact you, right? It's going to negatively affect you. The harm's already been done. Now you're doing further harm to yourself by not forgiving. Again, perfectly understandable. But what it feels like for those in the addict's life. It's difficult to be in a relationship with an addict. It's difficult to be a family member of an addict. Um, and sometimes we may not realize that they're an addict. Maybe they don't, maybe they're not addicted to drugs uh, or sex or porn or um, gambling or a lot of these other things that we typically think about. Maybe they're addicted to video games Right? That's one that's uh, become quite prevalent over the last 20 years. Maybe they're addicted to codependence. Maybe they're addicted to nutrition or exercise, something that seems so positive, but it's actually taking over their life, taking over their mindset, um, taking over their priorities. Maybe they're addicted to work, spend so much time working and obsessing about work, they can't be present for their kids. I know I've done that in my life. Still something that I'm working on bettering and, and being more present for my family getting my priorities straight, praying to God and to Christ, help me change, let me change my heart, all right? So it may not always be what you think. Maybe, maybe, and on the other hand, we're addicted to judging other people, 
Maybe we're highly perfectionistic. We judge other people all the time. And this gets in the way of us changing, gets in the way of the, the necessary humility we would need to have in order to change. And that's extremely frustrating for the people around us. That's really hard to deal with. We can be deceitful. We can be manipulative. We can be selfish. We can be annoying, right? And excuse me about my voice. I have a cold right now. I think it makes my voice sound a little deeper, which is, you know, nice in a way. But it's, uh, <clears throat> if, if it sounds a little weird or you hear me, hear me sniffing, I do apologize. I have a cold. So we can feel those things um, when we're in a relationship with an addict. And um, what we need to realize is we can't change the other person. Right? And it's so it's so hard to know what to do because we, we really want to control that other person. We really want, we want to fix them, right? Or maybe not even fix them, but we want them to feel happy. Maybe, maybe we have a, a more evolved view in that we just really want them to be happy. Right? But it's so frustrating and so hard to watch them suffer, right? But that suffering can cause us suffering, which can be a, a burden as well. And it's okay. It's okay to feel that. Um, it's okay to feel that burden. It's okay to feel like, man, I don't want to deal with this, right? We can become more charitable. We can become more compassionate. Sometimes we may not, we, we may need to actually detach from that relationship. It's unfortunate when that happens. Sometimes that's the right call. You need to, um, you know, feel that out with a therapist, feel it out with a professional. Or, you know, feel it out with God, etc. Feel it out how, how you will. But if you're in the relationship, okay, you need to know that you can't change the other person not going to change them. And the more that you try, the more that you force, the worse it makes things, the more that they will push back because that's kind of how most of us human beings are. Okay, before I go on to what you can do to help an addict, um, to actually help them, I just want to mention that if you struggle with addiction of any kind, um, go to my website, becomeagoodman.com and download the Roots of Addiction guidebook. It's a short guidebook um, that explains some really powerful things about where addiction comes from and how we can recover. Um, and I feel that it will be extremely helpful for you. So head to becomeagoodman.com, stick your email in, I'll shoot it over to you. And then you can also um, get just emails from me uh, to help you out on a weekly basis with recovery. So head there now and let's get back to it. What can you do to help an addict? Okay, if you're someone in a relationship with an addict, and you may be an addict yourself and be in a relationship with an addict. And how do you help them, right? That happens a lot. Um, so the first thing is that, again, realize where addiction stems from. It's going to be shame, right? Believing they're not good enough. Believing they're unworthy of love. It's going to be fear, right? Hopelessness. Um, fearing rejection from others. It's fearing uh, running out of time. It's fearing ultimately fearing death in some ways, right? I'm, you know, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing in life. Um, it's fearing the loss of relationships or possessions or um, different things like that, right? It, de it depends on what it is for that person. We all face these fears in, in varying degrees, and sometimes they can lead to addiction. So when we know this, the addict may not know it, right? They may not understand that, and they have, to, they have to go through their own journey to get there. Um, you may try to help them. 
sometimes they'll deny it 100%, right? We addicts can be that way. Um, that's the pride. That's the, uh, it really is the shame in a way because we're, we're afraid if we, if we don't know things um, or if there's something so deeply fundamentally wrong with us, we already feel so inadequate. How can we handle something else that's wrong with us, right? That's the feeling. But again, Christ can heal that. Christ can heal that. Um, I have a huge belief in the 12-step in the program and, and just following those steps to get there. So show them they're worthy of love, all right? In, in all the ways you can, by serving them, by being there for them, by thinking about them. But at the same time, you also, this can't be a passive love. It needs to be a strong love. It requires a lot. And, and understanding that being in a relationship with ad, an addict can hone you. It can refine you, right? And it can hone and refine them if they choose the path of progression eventually. Okay, but you do need to hold them accountable for their choices and expect them to follow through on their word. And when they do not, you need to be firm and you need to require of them that they do, okay? Not with anger. You, you respond with anger, you respond with offense, and they will often go back into those shame habits, those shame thought, thought patterns. And again, if you struggle with addiction, be thinking about your spouse. Be thinking about how sometimes you may treat them. Think about my word, the words that I'm saying right now and how hard it might be for them. Don't go into that shame space. Just think about the reality of it, what it's like for them in, their, in those shoes. And if you hear it right now, my friend, if you hear it, my brother or sister, think about that and ask God to help you change, okay? But you ha you've got to follow through on your word. You've got to be held accountable for your choices. And the, re and, and the addict brain, right, the pleasure-centered part of our brain hates that. It doesn't want to be held accountable for its decisions. It does not want to be held accountable. And that's why we have to be held accountable. So many of us come from a background where we were not held accountable. Maybe we had neglectful or absent parents, right? Maybe we didn't have any parents at all. Maybe we were a foster child jumping from home to home. Maybe not a lot was required or expected of us, right? We got used to that. That made us feel worthless. That made us feel like our life didn't have meaning. We need to know that we're responsible for people, that we're responsible for things that are important, and we need to feel that sense of meaning, that sense of importance, okay? And so even though we say we don't want the responsibility, we do. Every, every human being wants it. They need to be held accountable, and they need to be expected to take responsibility for the things that they are meant to in their life. Right? If they're a father, they need to take responsibility for being a father. If they're a husband, they need to take responsibility for being a, a husband. If they are the, the breadwinner of the family, they need to take responsibility for that. They can't jump around from career to career. right? And if they're exploring for a temporary period of time, it's understandable. But they can't jump around all the time, jumping, 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 and not thinking about the kids, thinking about the family. They do need to take that seriously, right? And whatever the, the situation is, may look different for you and for the one that you're with. But again, be firm, not angry. Don't accuse. Don't accuse. Just state your feelings about the situation. The moment we go into accusation when we're, and I struggle with this too, okay? I struggle with this too in my own relationship. I go, I, that's my natural place to go, right into accusation, right? It is for so many of us but you state the way you feel about it, you state it firmly, 
and with kindness, right? And you say, hey, you know, maybe you can recognize what they are doing. Hey, I, I, I know you're working hard. I know you're working hard. I, I, I see that you're, you're trying to do these things. I appreciate it. But I, I need this because of this, right? I need this from you. I, I can't go without it. You're going to need to learn how to do this well, right? Another thing, okay, forgive yourself when you become angry, right? Understand you're not going to be perfect. Beating yourself up fuels further anger, right? That's, that's perfectionism. That's not allowing yourself mistakes, but it's also not a, an excuse to go and getting lax and making more mistakes. Try to find that balance. Again, God and Christ are going to help you find that balance in your life as you pray every day. Ask yourself what you can do to be better and work on it, right? What can you do? Not what can your, the, the, the friend or the family member or the spouse that is struggling with addiction, what can they do? Don't ask that. The addict needs to get into a space of asking themselves. You also need to do the same thing. Show them how that is done. Give them an example of what it is to release control, to work on yourself and your stuff, to be a good spouse, right? And do that to the best of your ability with God guiding your path and granting you grace, all right? Release control, release obsession over the little details. And then you may be surprised when the addict begins being less controlling and less obsessive in return. Not always, but perhaps that will happen and sometimes it takes time. Again, it is hard to navigate relationships with those in addiction. That's why it's great to seek professional help, to go to meetings, to get aid from others. Show deep empathy and care, all right? If you want empathy and care, show it. That doesn't mean it's going to be returned, but one day, maybe that addict is going to, to maybe they don't recognize your empathy and care now, okay, but one day, they may, they, they may have something happen in their life. They may go through a change and they may look back and, and see all the examples of you being caring and empathetic and then they will start to be that themselves. I've seen it happen, all right? Put yourself in the addict's shoes, all right? Ask them to do the same for you. Be firm in this request and have self-respect, all right? Expect empathy. Expect to be respected. Expect love. And when you don't receive it, be honest about your feelings. Again, you need to hold them accountable, all right? And also, have compassion. Understand where they're at. Okay, if they're doing well for where they're at, then, then congratulate them on that. Hey, I, I see how much you've changed in this and this way. Thank you for what you're doing. Please keep going. Um, you know, it, it means so much to me. Please keep learning. Please, please keep growing. It is so helpful for me. Right, because even sometimes we we as human beings in general can hear you're doing so great, and then we can be like, "Oh, I'm good. Okay, I can stop trying now." Not a good thing. Not a good thing, right? But pointing out the good, pointing out what we're doing well, can be really good as long as it's still understood. You know, keep going. Thank you. You're headed in the right direction. It means a lot to me. The other thing is, um, well, not the other thing. The Massive thing, you, you've got to pray on a daily basis, all right? And um, this is not me standing up here saying prayer is the only answer, all right? I believe I've, I've watched the power of prayer in my life. In other words, the power of God, the power of Christ. It is the only way that I became sober. 
It is the only way that I'm able to have lasting change in my life. All right. I believe everyone uh, needs to be praying on a regular basis. All right. I know that there's people of the Buddhist faith, people uh, that are Taoist, um, all sorts of different faiths, religions, etc. That's fantastic. Love that. All right. This is just my perspective, my opinion, that praying with sincerity and frequency um, is going to help you so much in your life as you are turning to God, not towards yourself, right? Don't just say prayers to yourself uh, to, to get some kind of positive mindset going. Pray to God and believe that God can help heal your marriage, can help heal your relationships, can help heal your life, can heal the way that you think, behave, feel. Um, it can all be changed, all right? And that is because of the atonement of Christ that it can be changed. So practice centering your life on Christ, centering your life on God, um, and let all the changes that you go through be centered from that place. Pray about those changes. If you don't feel the desire to treat your spouse well or your family member well, okay, pray for that desire. Pray to feel that love and care. Maybe you've been betrayed to such a heavy extent at this point that you're done. But if you know you need to keep going, if you know that's what's right, pray for that desire. I testify God will give that to you as you pray, as you fast. Fasting is also powerful when you dedicate that fast to something specific. So those are, those are some things that um, I've witnessed that have helped in my life, um, in my relationship. Um, I've seen them help other people. Uh, there's certainly a lot of other things. That's, that's what we were talking about today in today's episode um, for how to help an addict. The other thing I want to talk about now is how to overcome shame habits um, when you are someone that struggles with them. If you struggle with addiction, you likely struggle with shame habits. All right, again, that is going to a place of victimhood. It's going to a place of I'm not good enough, of feelings of inadequacy, insecurity. It's going to a place of anger. It's going to a place of self-centeredness. Um, if we hurt someone or we do wrong or we do something and we, and, we, and we isolate and go inside and say, man, what's wrong with me? Or I can't believe this person's treating me this way. Or, ah, oh, this always happens to me. Or those types of thoughts, right? Instead of turning outward, looking at the feelings of others and saying, okay, man, what, what did I do? All right, I did this. How does it feel for them? Feels this way for them. All right, let me listen to them. Let me hear out their feelings. I, I have, you know, and then not going to that space of defense or, or proving your point, just staying in that space. How does it feel for them right now? Okay, you know, it feels like this for you. That sounds really hard. Right? And just, just staying in that place of understanding, right? So to overcome shame habits, again, I've said it a million times, I'll say it again. Pray and ask for Christ to help you, to help you let go of shame habits and learn true, powerful empathy so that you can help the people around you. Okay, so you, you can start to transform your mindset. You may not even see the habits. In fact, you likely don't see them at this point. These shame habits of turning internally when things go wrong, when you, when you uh, do something that hurts someone else or that's a bad behavior you don't want to repeat, you go inward. What's wrong with me? Or, you know, blaming other people or those types of things. Shame habits, okay? Watch them. Watch for them and practice replacing them. Okay, recognize when you have a victim mentality or self-centered thoughts and replace these by putting yourself in another person's shoes, 
in the group or the individual or whatever it is that, that needs help, that needs aid, place your focus outward. Turn it around, okay? And ask God to help you do that. Turn it around. Don't go inside. Turn it around. What can I do to improve this situation? How can I help this person right now? Right? Be proactive from that state, but not proactive in the way that now I can say I'm such a good person because look how good that was what I did. Now you're still in a self-centered place. Even if you went out and served people for four hours, if, if you have this thought of, man, such a good person, you know, it's a good thing I'm favored of God now because I went out and served. Again, awesome you went out and did that service. That's beautiful. But recognize those thoughts and say, you know, that's still not hitting the mark. God, help me change more so that I can focus outward and focus on the feelings of other people and stop this pride cycle that I'm in. Okay, so think about what other people are experiencing, what they want, what they need, and turn the thoughts of yourself outward um, to what other people want and need. And that doesn't mean to, I just want to clarify really quick. That does not mean that you abandon all daily care of yourself, exercise, spiritual time like prayer or like scripture study, um, eating good meals that are healthy. Sometimes you got to sacrifice some of those things, not take as much time as you would like. Um, sometimes you don't get the meal that, that would be best for your body because you got to go out and you got to take care of your baby or you need to, you know, go out and get something, some service done. You got to head to work, right? But if you do that all the time, you're wearing yourself down and you know that something's out of balance. So I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying every single thought and every single act needs to be for other people. In reality, you can dedicate the things that you do to lead a stable life, to feel healthy. You can dedicate those to God or to other people um, to the extent that they are reasonable, right? Okay, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to eat vegetables because long term I want to be healthy for my kids, right? That's, that's a good thing to do for those around you. So I just want to clarify that. Another thing is to be vulnerable and open. Okay, vulnerable in the right way. All right, be vulnerable and open about your feelings of insecurity with the right people. The right people in the right way. All right, so an example of that would be if I'm feeling uh, insecure and nervous um, about uh, work, right? Instead of getting angry about going to work. Man, why do I need to do this? And, you know, I work 50 hours a week and I'm so sick of this, right? Be open. Do you feel inadequate when you're at work? Do you feel anxious when you're at work? Are you afraid you're going to lose your job? Okay, I know I've suffered those feelings in my life, all right? Be real about that with the right people. Don't go spreading that around everywhere telling everybody, man, I have you know, you meet a stranger on the street. I have work anxiety, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job any day. Don't don't go out telling everyone about this. The people, who, the people who are close to you, get closer to them by sharing details about, you know, the things that are hard for you. They say, say, hey, this is, a, you know, I'm just going through this right now. And if there's someone that's willing to listen, they'll listen to you. You, you say, you know, I, I just feel nervous sometimes. I'm going to lose my job. Like, maybe there's no particular reason, right? But, you know, sometimes I just, I just feel inadequate. Um, I just feel like I can't. Uh, I don't, you know, you know, I I don't quite have the the skills I want, or I don't think as quickly as I want, or I don't feel smart enough, right? 
again, if that person's reasonable, like if they have any kind of education on what it's like to just be a human, they'll understand that everyone feels those things, right? About different areas in life and at different times. It's perfectly normal. So express those to the right people in the right way. Express that and and own up to the feelings, all right? Instead of resorting to anger or pride or haughtiness or pretending like you're better than other people, the superiority complex, none of that has anything to do with actually feeling better. The underlying condition is shame and fear, all right? Then, then when appropriate, ask people to help you see the truth, right? Maybe you're not seeing it. Maybe you're awesome at your job. You don't feel that. You feel this imposter syndrome, right? That's hard. Expressing that can be helpful, right? Hey, this is something I feel. Is that weird? No, it's not weird. A lot of people feel that. Really? Yeah, a lot of people feel that. You know, I feel that, right? I feel that all the time, okay? You can get empathy. You can get other people relating to you. They can help you take steps to change the way that you think. Another thing um, that we can do, when your mind is automat- automatically begins thinking about your own feelings, shift to incorporate other people's feelings. We kind of already talked about this, right? But imagine what it be, would be like if you were them, all right? Imagine that. Again, this, this, this can be hard to do when we haven't practiced it, especially when we deal with addiction because we've spent so much time trying to make sure we're taken care of, right? We've built those habits because because we felt like we needed to out of necessity maybe during our upbringing. Maybe there was no one looking out for us. We felt like, okay, I'm on my own. I'm on my, I, gotta, I gotta take care of me. I gotta take care of number one, right? It's not true, but it's how it felt. And then it follows us around throughout our lives, right? So incorporate others' feelings, right? Think, imagine if you were them. What do they need? What do they, what do they need to hear, right? Going right along with this, Something that is extremely powerful that I have been working on in my own life is reflective listening. Okay, when someone tells you about something difficult for them, don't try to downplay it. We do that all the time, right? Someone says, you know, man, I just feel stupid. And then we're like, you're not stupid, man. You're smart. You're downplaying their feeling. Understandably, you're trying to help, right? But don't try to downplay. Don't try to fix it. Don't try to put a positive spin on it, okay? They say, man, I just, I just feel so stupid. Maybe it's your kid saying this. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a friend, right? Man, that sounds, that sounds really hard, right? That sounds really hard, man. I, again, I'm not perfect at this. That sounds really hard, man. You know, yeah, you're just feeling kind of inadequate right now, kind of feeling like you're not intelligent enough. Tell me more about that, man. What are you going through? right? Instead, we, we, want to, we want to listen intently, right? We want to summarize their feelings instead of going into downplaying, trying to fix it, right? That's, that's a typical male thing. I've struggled with it throughout my life. That's why I'm working on this. We want to fix it. We go into fix it mode. It's not freaking helpful. It sucks. It sucks to be on the other end of fix it mode, Okay. And no one wants to hear the silver, silver lining crap either, right? Keep that crap to yourself. Someone's going through something hard. They want empathy. They want to know that their feelings are valid. That's what most of us want, all right? And once we can hear that validation, 
Once someone summarizes our feelings back to us, once, once we intently listen to someone and we reflect, again, that's why it's reflective listening, we reflect back to them, you know, you, you feel really overwhelmed right now. You know, they're telling us about all these things. Man, I just, I'm dealing with this and I'm dealing with that. And it just, it feels really hard and, you know, this and that and blah, blah, blah. And this person at work and, it, you know, especially when we have wives, right? They can, it can all just, uh, can all just, you know, mass together and become so much, right? It's, it's women's brains are extremely interconnected. It can become a lot, right? If we can sit back and listen to all that, imagine ourselves in their shoes, we can reflect back to them their feelings. Yeah, you feel really overwhelmed right now. We can genuinely do that because, because we're listening and, we, and what we hear is, she's feeling overwhelmed right now. And then we say that. Now that person can begin to heal. Now they can begin to work out their own problems. All right? Doesn't mean we can't be here to help in a lot of great ways. But one of the best ways we can help is genuinely listen, be present. Okay, I have another podcast episode a couple episodes ago. It talks about presence, talks about living with simplicity. I think it's a great episode. You should go listen to it. I think it'll help you out. So do that, all right? Reflectively listen. Practice that this week. Especially if, if you're married, practice this, right? And then once you reflect back to them their feelings, they, depending on how you typically talk, they may be like way surprised. Maybe you always go into fix-it mode, right? But give them time to get used to it. And, and when you reflect back to them their feelings, don't then add other things to it. Just sit and listen. Just intently look into their eyes and wait for them to tell you more. And often they will. And maybe it'll go on and on and on. And it's just like a fire hose. But eventually, if, you're at, if you are successfully reflecting back to them their feelings, okay, most people are going to get to a point where, like a, like a water skin, right? They've flattened out, no, no longer pumped up with all of this baggage, all this fluid. They're now, they're wrung out and they're in a good way, I guess. It's a terrible analogy. Don't use this analogy. Anyway, they're at peace now. They've let it all out. And then they can, they can actually improve things in their life. They can feel better. They can know that there's someone at least there to listen to them feel their feelings are valid. And I think one of the, the keys to this, just before we wrap up here, one of the keys to this is don't imagine what it'd be like for you if you were in their shoes. It's very important. Instead, imagine what it, it's like for them if you were in their shoes, right? If, if you were them, and that can be hard for us to do, right? But the key to that, I think, at least as far as I've learned thus far, is listening to the story that they tell. How are they telling it? Maybe they're not getting down to the truth, right? That happens. That's okay. Give them time. Listen to how they're saying it right now. Don't downplay. Don't try to shift it or turn it or make it into something else or say, you know, you're probably actually feeling this. No one wants to hear that. Again, it's that that's not empathizing. That's not truly listening. All right, so... Imagine what it'd be like for you if you had their brain wiring, if you had their past. Think about those things and, and just hear them out and how they're expressing it. And when you can do that, you can genuinely help other people heal and you can build a stronger relationship. And it really is, in a lot of ways, it's so much easier.
than the other ways that we do things with trying to fix it or downplaying or, well, it's not necessarily easier than downplaying. Sometimes it takes focus and it takes presence, but in the long run, it is way easier than downplaying people's emotions or trying to put a positive spin on them. The other thing that we can do to overcome shame habits is to thank others for little things, right? Or to thank others with sincerity, right? Think of the effort it took for them. Imagine that you were them and you did whatever it is that they did and think, you know, that was a really kind thing to do. Like if I did that, you know, maybe it would have taken you, I don't know, maybe it's just a, a smile and a hello. And that's, that's beautiful. Um, you probably shouldn't turn around and say, thank you for your smile, though you could, maybe that'd be nice. But if it's just, you know, something, someone took 10 minutes out of their day to do something, think about that 10 minutes and be like, you know what? That's, that's really kind of you. Thank you. You know, we're just, just be, be real with people about sincere gratitude. Feel that. Um, it's, it's really in a lot of ways, it's about recognizing what people around you are actually doing and their intents, their actions. Cause we can, we can, when we're in pain, when we're feeling insecure, when we're going through those things, we can often overlook what those around us are doing. And if you're having a hard time with that, because you're feeling all of uh, this anxiety, depression, um, a lot of people going through those things these days, right? I struggle with some of those things in my life too, so I get it. Um, it can be really hard to recognize what other people are doing when you're in, in pain. And so when it comes to that, again, the, the best thing we can do as addicts, I think, is in many ways is follow the 12-step program. Okay, follow those steps. Um, follow God, follow Christ, keep Christ in your heart, admit that your life is unmanageable, um, and give your will over to God and to Christ so they can change your heart. So that's what I have for today's episode. Um, the best way that you can support this channel before you go, please, the best way you can support this channel is rate this podcast. If you're having a positive experience, I would love to hear about that. Okay, rate this podcast. And in addition, please go to becomeagoodman.com, get the Roots of Addiction guidebook. It's totally free. I'll shoot it over to your email. Um, it is a great way to get uh, more education and a great basis for understanding addiction and understanding how we recover. So I hope that you found today's episode helpful. Um, God bless you in your recovery, my friend, and have a beautiful week. Everything expressed on the No More Desire podcast are the opinions of the host and participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of a qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.